0: Delivering high-quality, technology-centric podcasts around the world. This is MunchTech.tv. Taking a bite out of technology. Hello. You're very welcome to episode 513 of The Two Techies for Saturday, August 22nd, 2020. This is the show where we talk about the week's most notable technology stories in round an hour or less with Aaron Fisher and myself, Jimmy Bunting. We come together once a week to discuss, debate, converse, scrutinise and explore the world of tech. Technology. Technology, yes. On this week's episode, Bill Gates speaks out about tech firms. Apple continues to rattle the cages of developers. And can an algorithm make life-changing decisions? It's pretty much the question that the UK government, or the education section of the government, tried to ask in the last few weeks with the issuing of what would be GCSE and A-level results, which, if you're across the pond or anywhere else but the United Kingdom, are essentially high school, and uh, high, high school results of some sort. I, I don't know the comparable across the globe, but either way, uh, t- t- very important grades, which can make the difference between you getting or not getting into a university, if that's what you want to do, or just getting or not getting the apprenticeship or the job, which you want to do. Post your education time, and so if you're not in the United Kingdom, you may not be aware of that the colossal screw up, which was for those who who were getting grades, and of course the the unduly stress which it caused and issues for many sectors and many things around it. So we'll discuss that, but it brings bigger questions into technology, and again we always say this about an over reliance on technology. I think this was a a desperate over reliance on technology, but it's also an example of a pressurised environment at that difficult time and maybe untested technology more than the point. We'll get into it later. Bill Gates has been vocal, rightly so, about technology companies. He says that they deserve rude, unfair, tough questions. And it's really nice to get the perspective of someone who is so monumental in the sector. And I say is because he still is. He, the founding person of Microsoft or one of, but after watching and reading about Gates to some extent, he has such a diverse knowledge on so many world issues, such an intelligent man who I think should be listened to by many more people in many more sectors. But what would I know, right? What would I know, Aaron? You tell everyone. Do I know anything? No, oh. nada. <coughs> Can we scrub that out? You were meant to say yes. Can we try it again? What would I know, Aaron? Do I know anything?
1: Nada. Nothing.
0: <laughs> no, that's that's spun. No. Uh, what, what do I know, Aaron? Do I know anything? Nothing. No. Well, we tried. We tried. <laughs> How are you?
1: Ah, all is good. All is good. Enjoying the fact you, that the uh, the weather is finally not like 1,050 degrees every day. And what do you know? Nothing. No. Well, that's okay. We're even then. We can. We went over this earlier, remember? Brain capacity the size of a peanut and all?
0: <laughs> Touche.
1: Um,
0: and then obviously Apple this week have... I, 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 there's there's a real debate going on at the minute and I'd, I'd be interested to get your perspective, Aaron, as a developer, more than anything in that I think there's argument for and argument against but in the case we spoke of last week the developer in the studio with Fortnite and they have epic they've launched a real big escapade against Apple we're not talking about this week but the thing is Post the show, I was reading a bit more into it, just as things developed, and everyone seems to. And I'm not sure whether the news sources I was looking at were biased or not, but it seems to be that the general opinion is that they're just opening a can of worms that they're not going to win against Apple.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, we've got a little bit on it this week. Um, in the quick news, yeah. Obviously, Apple have kind of fired back and and kind of said their side of the story, which is actually fairly telling and fairly interesting. Um, especially can based on what. Epic was saying last week, they made it sound like a a one-sided argument, kind of like Apple were the big bad guy. Now, obviously, we do have a story this week kind of about Apple being the big bad 30% guy when it comes to... application. Um, So Apple are by no means perfect, but I think when it comes to the Epic or Fortnite situation obviously Apple, I can't remember if we talked about this last week, I think it happens after but Apple have got to the point where they've set a termination date for all of Epic's uh, developer account, which obviously means they will lose access to all their developer tools and it means they lose access to be able to develop for things like Unreal Engine, which is what Mm. so many games are based upon. Um, Like Apple can instantly remove their entire business from uh, <laughs> I, the iOS side of things obviously Google also doing something similar on that side of things so you're right it's like Epic are poking the bear when you probably don't want to be poking the bear at this time Apple have a long tenured history of winning this stuff um, this is not something new it's not even the first time this year that a company has been through this exact problem with Apple um, and to be fair companies before have probably had more of a more of a leg to stand on than Epic have here um, you Epic have come across as very, I don't know they're a games company, it's sometimes hard to feel sorry for some of the games companies just because of how much kind of stranglehold they have on certain things and I, I think Epic just really want like if Apple gave anyone even a little bit of wiggle room to create their own store or sideload their own apps or to bypass 30% like the absolute floodgates would open you'd see the likes of EA immediately jump on that obviously Epic as well Um, I just this is a hill that Apple are willing to die on I think Apple are willing to probably throw lots of money at the court system for this which I don't even think they'll really have to I think Apple have got to pretty winnable case on this one.
0: Well, they have the, whether you see it as unfair or not, the advantage, it's their app store. and But then it, it comes in, it actually blends into the main story about what Bill Gates says that tech companies deserve rude unfair tough questions, in that conglomerates such as Apple, Facebook and Google, they're so big that all of a sudden they do have powers beyond other multinational corporations. They are almost an entity in themselves. And so that begs the question, should they face further more stringent regulations and and so on and so forth? But we'll talk about it after the quick news, once we've, we've seen what Apple say.
1: Microsoft will end support for Internet Explorer 11 across its Microsoft 365 apps and services next year. In almost exactly a year, on August 17, 2021, Internet Explorer 11 will no longer be supported by Microsoft's online services such as Office 365, OneDrive, Outlook and more. Microsoft is also ending support for IE 11 with the Microsoft Teams web app later this year with support ending at the end of November. While it's still going to take some time to pry enterprise users away from Internet Explorer 11, Microsoft is hoping that the new Internet Explorer Legacy mode in the Chromium-based Microsoft Edge browser will help. It will continue to let businesses access old sites that were specially built for Internet Explorer until Microsoft fully drops support for IE 11 within Windows 10. Microsoft's move to stop supporting IE11 with its main web properties is a good first step.
0: Apple responded to Epic Games' lawsuit accusing of anti-competitive behavior in how it controls the App Store, telling the court that the Fortnite maker violated Apple's rules and shouldn't be placed back into the stores temporarily while the legal battle rages. In its filing, Apple alleges that Epic Games asked for an individual arrangement with Apple producing three emails from Epic CEO Tim Sweeney that bolster its claim. This is Apple's first significant legal response to Epic Games after the dispute between the two companies spilled into the courts. It comes the week after Epic Games released a direct payment mechanism inside Fortnite designed to bypass the App Store's payment system from which Apple takes a 30% cut. Apple subsequently removed Fortnite from its store for violating its policies. People who already have Fortnite installed in their iPhones can continue to play, but cannot update or download the
1: app for the first time. Oculus will soon require all of its virtual reality headset users to sign up with a Facebook account. The Facebook-owned company says it will start removing support for separate Oculus accounts in October, But the users can maintain an existing account until January 1st, 2023. All users can maintain a distinct VR profile with a separate friends list. Starting later this year, you'll only be able to sign up for an Oculus account through Facebook. If you already have an account, you'll be prompted to permanently merge your account. If you don't, you will be able to use the headset normally until 2023, at which point official support will end old headsets using non-linked accounts will still work, but some apps and games may no longer function. Developers can keep using an unlinked developer account without social functionality, and the Oculus for Business platform uses a separate login process that will remain unchanged. Facebook also says that all future unreleased Oculus devices will require a Facebook login, even if you've got a separate account already.
0: And finally, a record £20.7 million in compensation was paid to broadband customers who used a new scheme to complain about their service in the last six months of 2019. The scheme, which does not necessitate formal claims, paid out for delays in repairs and setting up new connections and missed appointments. Ofcom said just £8 million was paid to consumers in the first six months of 2019 before the scheme was introduced, yet 85% of customers were reportedly satisfied with their broadband service. The Watchdog's annual report showed Plusnet customers to be the most satisfied with their broadband and TalkTalk users the least. Nine in ten mobile customers said they were happy with their phone service. Internet Explorer, Legacy Edge. Bye bye. It's like the, the the thing that just won't go. Internet <laughs> Explorer. But finally, we have a date. Seventeenth well, of August, twenty twenty
1: one. That's the thing. We don't really have a date. Like this is just Microsoft well, ending support, support for yeah. their services on it. It's like, oh come on, just die already. It's like mm. the last, like IE eleven came out seven eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Microsoft Edge. Even like the early versions of Edge, which are way newer, have been discontinued at this point. It's just, yeah. I don't get why there are still businesses that have. Things built for IE. If you have things that were specifically built for Internet Explorer, you are a stupid company stupid company um, well it's it the the, the infrastructure and in the the, the back end is just so different to
0: every other browser that's out there in 2020 or even 2015 shall we say so that that's the problem isn't it
1: well it's not even just that like because ie 11 got its last update or last uh, big update seven or eight years ago like it just doesn't support standards that have come out since and there have been a fair few um i am glad that it supports the things like flexbox for layout because i would hate my life i think if if that didn't work because you'd have to build one layout system for well everyone else and then one for Internet Explorer which would be a huge pain in the ass. But there are like basic things it doesn't support just because those standards have come out in the intervening years and that is incredibly annoying to have to deal with like once you've built something for the web, a website, an app, whatever it is, there's always that like stage at the end where you're like now i got to test it in Internet Explorer and then you spend like a week fixing it for the five people that use it like it takes so long to have to fix uh IE just because it's not like it's broken in a oh yeah I'll just tweak this or make this a little bit smaller no it's broken in a way it's like well this is never gonna work or why does it do that or why doesn't it work or why am i getting this error like you just oh in is such a frustration um 11 is better than it used to be um having in the days when we had to support like six seven eight nine ten that was even worse just because everything didn't work you, you you're hundred percent Spot on there saying the back-end infrastructure is so much different. Microsoft had their own way of doing things. Um, you know, they uh, they <laughs> they didn't conform to the uh, the web standards. They uh, they wanted to create their own web non standards. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm kind of rejoicing. But as it says, uh, as the article says, it will take a long time to pry enterprise customers away. So yay.
0: Whilst it's a, a shift in the right direction, it's almost one step forward and two back. Yeah, it's a, a long battle. Speaking of battles, uh, we we said at the start, so uh, Epic, Apple, this is going to go on for some time. And there, of course, are two different sides to a story. And sometimes the truth lies somewhere in the middle. In this case, I, I guess the, the the strength that Apple have here in this case is that it's their App Store. However, the opposing argument is, well, Apple are so big and have such a monopoly on a market, or sorry, duopoly, I should say, because there's Samsung and Apple, or not even Samsung and Apple. There's iOS and Android. Sorry, we should really we'll, we'll not worry about the manufacturers. We'll worry about the platform that each device is on. So there's iOS and Android. And beyond that, market shares are very small in any other competing software platform or mobile. And so the responsibility almost lies with Google and Apple to ensure that the platform is not not using anything to an unfair advantage. But at the same time, Apple have the excuse that what they're doing is for security. And that's a very strong excuse in 2020, if it's for the right reasons. And whether or not Apple are doing it for the right reasons, be be real, Aaron, make, make no mistake, Apple 100% want to get that 30%. Of course they do. That's why they charge it. Otherwise, they would say, we're not going to charge anything, but you must use our payment system, which might be a different and more valid argument. But they take a 30% cut. And you could say that the reason they do that is to help it run the platform and ensure that there's a substantial infrastructure in the background running to ensure that the systems in place are kept up to date and they're not vulnerable to attack and everything's nice and airy fairy or you could say they're just being greedy or or you could go somewhere in the middle but you you pay them thirty percent for the in app purchases and, and and for any sort of payment you make on the store. But you can't direct to any other, any other payment portal. It must be through Apple's.
1: I've seen, and a, I hate to say it, I don't mind that as a consumer. I've seen a couple of interesting uh, points to kind of back up and kind of not back up the thirty percent this week. Um, yeah, if you are a manufacturer and you sell, or if you are a uh, you you make a widget and you sell it in a store. Obviously, the store you sell it in. You know they take a huge cut of it. Like they're so you know the manufacturer takes the cut. You know the the distributor takes a cut. The delivery takes a cut. This takes a cut. That takes a cut. Like Apple's thirty percent. All of a sudden doesn't look so bad. I appreciate it's a completely different thing, but that's kind of to back up Apple's thirty percent. But I also saw someone else say, imagine if on every transaction you made with your credit card, Visa, Mastercard, you know whomever, suddenly went from taking one to two percent to taking thirty percent. It would be insane, wouldn't it? Um, um, but here we are, Apple taking quite a large chunk. But I think just from a kind of my opinion point of view, I'm 100% with you. I think that 30% seems fairly reasonable. Um, I- I, I understand developers' frustration, but I also think you've got to look at it from a user's point of view that we're sitting here going, I don't want to have every app suddenly be able to design its own payment system to bypass the 30%, because right now, you know that buying something through an in-app purchase, it is handled securely, as you said, using Apple's platform, which is like, that's probably more of a reason, or like one of the things I factor into a sale these days is who the payment provider is. You know, if you go to an e-commerce store online and you can't use something like PayPal, your only option is to, to type your credit card number into their website, you think twice about that type of thing. Yeah. Um if you see PayPal, knowing full well that PayPal are obviously going to take a cut off the top all of a sudden. But if you see PayPal, it's something that go makes you go, oh, okay, I will buy this I'll buy this widget. I think it mm-hmm. the same applies to um, the Google store or the Play Store and the Apple App Store as well. Um seeing that both Google and Apple can control your in app purchases and your payment method means that your credit card is, is, you know, Apple are worth what, 2 trillion, 2.1 trillion this week? Like, I'd much rather trust uh, a company like that to hold on to my data than a company like Epic or EA or. Insert any small app brand here. Um, I'd rather you almost have one point of failure as opposed to like six hundred points of failure. It's uh,
0: yeah, it, it's a, it, it's accountability exactly. And as you said, you'd rather have no. If it goes wrong. You might as well just wave goodbye to all, all all security. But yeah, it's the trust Apple know that and PayPal and, and Google know that they cannot mess up. So they they must keep it right. And also, if you think about it, PayPal, that's almost the only thing they're responsible for, safe payment portals. Okay, they do more things now, but the core service Apple, okay, it's not their core service, however, they, they would have a dedicated team to that same with google whereas these smaller companies well they take your details and they just throw it around the the companies and the portals and the systems that they think are safe whether or not they have full transparency and accountability there would be another question exactly and so it might might not just be them that's the thing it might not just be the systems they deploy it might be the companies who make those systems that could be the weak link and then but it then falls back down to the, the company you're trusting. So it's, it's, it's a sticky one, yeah, definitely. And and as you say, for a lot of people, and if myself, if I see a trusted payment portal, I am more likely to just make the payment without thinking. Of course, still checking it's encrypted and secured and using SSL layers, but, but at the same time, it's, yeah, it, it, it certainly increases the likelihood I'm going to use, pay for, buy, whatever, the service or product. In a case of of, of this legal battle, aren't where do you lie, where do you see? I, I think, and I, again, I I always try to be cautious on the show that not just talking for Apple, because I think they're a big company. As Bill Gates said, we're going back to it again this week. Tech companies need and deserve rude, unfair, tough questions. So I agree. And I think Apple are one of those companies. But I think it's hard to argue with the the argument they have that they don't do it to be anti-competitive. They don't control the payment to be the big company that has full control. They do it from a security point. I think I kind of I get that and I I'm I'm fine with that. What 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 where, where do you stand?
1: think kind of uh, i totally agree um i think that the story we're going to talk about later with wordpress and apple different matter um comes off a similar basis but i think the epic versus apple story is very much like this is a system that is very much in place for user security user privacy yes apple get 30 percent off of it yes you know we can talk about that number all we like is 30 percent too much but it, like that's the rule that everyone plays by epic weren't singled out and apple you know suddenly decided to, like make them twice as much as much as everyone else it's like these are the rules everyone plays by you emailing apple i I believe it was like um Phil Schiller, like I read this week, it was like an email at 2 a.m. to Phil Schiller, Epic CEO, was asking for some kind of uh, individual deal. It's like, unfortunately, I think Apple play pretty fair like that. For most or most of the time, they treat everyone the same. I know we've said in the past that they have been known to treat bigger companies differently. Um, But I think for the most part, no matter the size of the company, you all play by the same rules. 30% is 30% for everyone. Um, If it's a subscription, you know, it's 15% there on after, but it's the same rules for everyone. Um, I think that it's going to be very easy for Apple to back up in court. I think as well, another telling thing is we sit here and go, Apple just want the money, I think perfectly true, obvious, but Apple were quite happy to Kick them off the app store immediately and uh, threaten to delete their developer account so they won't be able to do anything again. Apple are, you know, like I say, willing to die on this hill, whether it be money related or not. I think Apple are are fighting for the if they uh, if if they make an exception for Epic, they have to make an exception for everyone. And those floodgates are just that's not something Apple wants to deal with. That's not something as a user I think we want to deal with. so, yeah, I don't think Epic will be getting any kind of special treatment or will be winning this battle anytime soon.
0: And that's the thing. It works both ways in that it doesn't matter if you're smart. If, if they give preferential treatment to the likes of Epic, which we could say are a bigger developer within the App Store and that's unfair to the smaller developers. And if they charge the bigger ones more because they're making more, that's unfair to the bigger ones because the smaller ones don't have to pay as much. So exactly, they they seem to keep a level playing field, so I, I see nothing wrong with that. Unless it comes to light and discovery that actually there were deals stuck with other companies which weren't fair. That would be different, but thus far they've said there aren't and that they keep a level playing field, so we've no other reason to believe otherwise. Unless, as I say, this is a legal process now, there are There are systems put in place to discover this, i.e. what would be referred to as discovery. If it comes out, then actually... Amazon, and, and I'm speaking completely in, 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 in theoretical terms here. Amazon and eBay and PayPal had preferential treatment. Well, that's different. We have no, nothing whatsoever at this point to say that that's the case in any way. So I,
1: I think if that was the case as well, Apple would not, Apple aren't stupid. They wouldn't be going to court over this because that stuff would come out. Like I think,
0: well, well exactly. Yeah.
1: This is why I'm so hell bent on the this is a hill Apple are willing to die on. I think because they believe so strongly in it. Um, And I believe they, they if they can prove, that they do treat everyone the same then I think Apple have a pretty valid case now Beyond that, obviously the bigger discussion of is it right in the first place that that's the control they have is a whole nother conversation. But Apple have very clear terms and conditions. You sign the contract saying you agree to these terms and conditions. If you break those terms and conditions, Apple have very explicitly listed out X, Y and Z that will happen to your app. And Epic are throwing their toys out the pram because they broke the terms and conditions and Apple did exactly what they said they would. Funny
0: that, isn't it? Facebook account for Oculus headsets. That's a bad move. Moving on. I just I don't see that's ridiculous.
1: It's just I mean there are a lot of people saying not everyone has a has a Facebook account. Um obviously Oculus not always owned by Facebook. There are days when you sit there and go, why do I need to log into this stuff? Why do I need mm-hmm. like where are the days of just hardware being hardware. Why does it always need to be hooked up to some social network? Or It's just, oh, it's ridiculous. I mean, so many people are saying, just create a fake Facebook profile for this stuff. Um, just have it literally do, you know, your Oculus thing, and that's it. Don't, don't hook it up to your main one, or, you know, especially if you don't have one, obviously. Don't create mm-hmm. one just for it, just create a fake one. Um, I think it's just ridiculous. It? I mean, this is gonna, a lot of people already put off from buying Oculus products ever since they've been bought over by Facebook for the umpteen bajillion legitimate reasons that Facebook have given us over the years to be dubious of them. Um, I think this is really not gonna help any further. Um, no. Obviously, if you're an existing user, you've got. Another couple years, but if you're buying a new product, you are totally screwed over into using Facebook. Seriously, just go look at HTC Vive or any of the many others that don't do this kind of stupid thing. Um, I think this is a completely dumb move on Facebook's behalf. Um, but that's Facebook completely. for you. Yeah, yeah.
0: I I would dread to think what the and I can't speak for any other nation, but the UK's infrastructure would be like without Ofcom and I mean digital infrastructure in this case because they do make a difference and we've said this all along even from the from the, the beginning of this show from its infancy, we have always talked about what Ofcom have done and if you're not aware across the, the sea, across the pond, across the globe Ofcom are the the UK's regulator for these type of things. £20.7 million in compensation in the second half of 2019, the last six months, for those who complained about their service, their broadband service, that is, i.e., you're promising it at this speed I'm not getting it you're promising me XYZ I'm not not getting it and you, you could argue why is that important and sometimes I think if you take a step back and you compare and contrast you realize it is important and it and, and the importance of why having someone independent unbiased and completely away from the industry to regulate it is is necessary so if we go into a shop if, if you or I or anyone joining us iron were to purchase a product it's covered by what was the sale of goods act what is now the Consumer Rights Act 2015, in the UK anyway. And there are certain stipulations within the Consumer Rights Act. It's it's quite in-depth, and there are different sections, and there are clauses, so we'll not go into it. But essentially, what you buy must be of satisfactory quality, as described, fit for purpose, and last... A reasonable amount of time. Now the question is, what's reasonable, and that is always open to interpretation. So if you, if if you're I, so this is this is funny actually. We'll bring in the AirPod Pros argument here. This, if if anyone's listening, get a drink. You're in for a rant. So you and I aren't AirPod Pros. We paid t- short of two hundred and fifty pounds for the product for a set of earphones, and less than a year later, one or both of those earphones develops a fault. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Does that ring a bell?
1: It does. Yeah.
0: But the point is, is that reasonable? Did our products last a satisfactory amount of time? Well, I would say no, and I'm sure you would too, Aaron.
1: And I'm sure I, everyone else would. I would hardly say uh, six months is reasonable
0: in anyone's eyes. Exactly. No, that's because we paid £250. Now, I'm not saying that if you pay more, the product should work. What I'm saying is if you pay more, there is a stipulated case that the product should last a bit longer. In some cases, it it's always open for interpretation. And this is why it's so grey. It's it's not yes or no, one or zero. It's It's not binary. It's, it's somewhere in the middle. No, in the same vein, if you and I go online and bought a really affordable um, or cheap, or whatever you want to call it, I I hate using descriptive words in this case, because it's all, again, it's open to interpretation, but we buy a set of earphones for, what what could you get a really, really, really cheap, and I I mean, non-branded, on eBay, say... What would eight, nine, ten pounds for a really cheap pair of earphones be possible? It would, wouldn't it? If even. Exactly. So a really cheap pair of earphones. And they lasted a year and then they just give up. All of a sudden the argument's very different. And that's just because of the price paid. So the point of my of, of this part of the argument is that cost and service level and the description and the agreement and the expectation will dictate whether or not you have an argument under what is the Consumer Rights Act. And I say the Consumer Rights Act because there was was there was the Sale of Goods Act, nineteen ninety eight. That is now the Consumer Rights Act, twenty fifteen. But there was also the Sale of Services Act, and I think it was nineteen ninety eight as well, I could be wrong. But the Consumer Rights Act encapsulates it all. It it's part of the sale of goods, it's part of um sale of services and it encapsulates another uh, bunch of acts uh, that consolidate existing consumer protection law legislation and it also gives a number of new rights and and remedies as well because a lot has happened from 1998 to 2015 in that we use online a lot more. So this is really quite interesting because when you purchase broadband when you pu- when you well you buy broadband but you buy a service, you don't buy a product. But a service should have the same expectation as a product. If if we go into a shop and we buy a a drink and it says that the bottle we buy a a drink of two liters and if there was only 700 milliliters in that bottle well that would be false advertising and that's illegal in a very basic term it's illegal because they've said we're getting two liters but we just got 700 but we paid for two because it was advertised as two and so we have a case but it's a bit more difficult to argue when the product is dynamic fluid constantly changing and isn't measurable in the same way because broadband speeds have what well, they will fluctuate based on capacity, based on demand, time of day, X, Y, Z, A, B, C. There's so many different variables that will result in your broadband speed changing or fluctuating at, at given points. So the regulator, when when broadband became the the thing, broadband companies were very quick in saying speeds of 50 meg at the time. And there's a little asterisk. And then in the tiny, tiny, small print, it said up to. And then in the the, the the terms and conditions, it says sometimes we would not provide you up to speed at any given time. This is because of X, Y, Z, A, B, C, yada, yada, yada. And the regular said, whoa, hold on a minute. <laughs> this is no, 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 you, you don't do that because that's false advertising. In the same way that buying the, the two liter and only getting 700, you can't say to someone, we'll give you 50 meg and never give them 50 meg. And so the wording, the regulation and the oversight of the service delivery of broadband has been much more regulated in recent times. And it is okay for a broadband company to say you will get up to, and we'll say 50 for argument's sake, say up to 50 and say that there may be times when we can't deliver this, but we will do our best and 80% of the time we guarantee you will. But it's still difficult for a consumer to monitor unless you have a constant monitoring system. And I'm sure Aaron would be able to develop you one if you need that. But if you need something to monitor, then that's not really the consumer that couldn't or shouldn't be expected to do that. So even then, the broadband companies have one up because how does a consumer prove that, well... It was only 75% of the time I had the speech you said I would. You, you you made a promise that I would get it 80%, so I'm now entitled to compensation. That's so hard to prove. It's such a difficult thing to do. So the regulator is aware of that, and the regulator has essentially said, well, sale of service is exactly the same as sale of goods. It's Consumer Rights Act. There are laws surrounding this that you, if you pay X for a product and the, 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 the provider says you will get this, you should get that most of the time. And of course, there are reasons why you will have downtime. There are reasons why your speeds will fall at certain given times. And that's fine. But when it becomes a normal occurrence, that's when the issue arises. And clearly, it is a problem. £20.7 million in compensation in the last six months of 2019. And that's when the scheme came in. Only £8 million paid in the first half when it wasn't. That's crazy. And it just goes to show, Aaron, that consumers are aware of the issue, but they didn't have the right steps and resources to do anything about it, because it's so hard to prove. I mean, even with the the right technologies, even if you set up a, a, a small amount of script or code to monitor what your down and upstream speeds were, if you take that data to your broadband provider, they're going to say, well, where's the validity in that? How do we know you didn't just make that up? It's an endless battle, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Um, Not getting uh, advertised broadband speeds. I know something we've obviously spoken about for, for so many years, and it is nice yeah. to finally have something where you can go, ha, look.
0: Since the inception of the show, and, and even before that. But it is more out there now. It is a. a, a, a... But it's always been a big issue, but it is a more registered issue and there are now further steps to take to fix the problems you may face. So definitely, if you think, if, especially if you're in the UK, if you think that you are, are, are sort of paying for something you're not getting, follow it up. Make those, those inquiries because clearly the system is in place, the compensa- or compensation scheme is working and, and companies shouldn't be allowed to get away with it. As Bill Gates said, tech companies deserve rude, unfair, tough questions. He believes that they deserve the kind of scrutiny they got during the congressional hearings last month and that the late Steve Jobs was a genius, what he also said. If you're successful as I am or any of those people, you deserve rude, unfair tough questions. The government deserves to have shots at you. That type of grilling comes with this super successful territory. It's fine. Now, of course, he was referring to the July 29th hearing before the House Judiciary Committee, where the CEO of Apple, Google, Facebook, and Amazon were questioned about their business practices as part of an ongoing antitrust investigation. During the wide-ranging interview, he also talked about his foundation's work on vaccines, what it was like starting Microsoft. He also spoke about What it was like being a celebrity of sorts as well. As for his late rival, Gates says he was not as tough as Steve Jobs, but admired how he turned Apple around when he returned to the company. And what I really like about Bill Gates here is that he is being so open and fair and honest against himself as well. That's how you know what level of person he is. And I think his 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 level of genius, and I hate to use that word just so openly, but level of genius is just crazy in the fact that he's, he's, he's not above himself and he has every, not that anyone has a reason to be, but it, if anyone has a reason, he does. But he registers. I, I kind of feel that, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Anne, I kind of feel that during the antitrust investigation, some, I'm not going to say who, or but, but some of the CEOs and some of those involved just looked and sounded like they felt they didn't have to be there. They felt as if they were above it. That there was, that they should just be trusted, and that there's no that their their feelings were hurt essentially.
1: Professional bullet dodging, I think, is why. Uh, just yeah. once described that hearing as it was it was awful awful to watch. Yeah, exactly. And if that was Bill Gates' setting,
0: not for the fact, I think I think some of them took it personally because it it looked as if there was an attack on them when it really wasn't. They are the corporation at that point. They're representing. A huge, and especially when you put the four together, a huge concern, which accounts for so much of the world's GDP, the world's economy, the flow of money. The flow of information. It's only right to expect that you're going to face some sort of questions. In fact, if anything, I think that the, the line of questioning was quite lenient. When you think about what these companies are doing in processing and the information they have, the par they have. So why did they take it so personally? And clearly here, Bill Gates is saying, "Well, well that's, that's just that that's territorial. That comes with it. You should expect to be questioned to that
1: level and beyond."
0: And I completely agree with him. I th- I, I completely one hundred percent
1: agree. I think whilst I agree. I think it is definitely a mindset thing. I think we've we've been proved to time and time again of just how much of a how different Bill Gates You know, Steve Jobs are both of those. They're they're what you think of the when when you think of technology. When you think of the elite CEOs, like the best of the best people that come to mind are or have traditionally been Steve Jobs, Bill Gates. Like Mm. that's and then I think every or most tech CEOs today just I don't know they they come across as corporate figureheads, which is why I think they responded to the questions the way they did. I think you're right. Um, obviously they are the company at that point. The company needs a representative. If you go to the top, um, I think whereas Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, obviously they they founded those companies. Um, the same can obviously be said for, for Zuck and uh, for Bezos as well. But um, you have more of, a I guess, a personal relationship or you have more an investment when it's your company, not mm-hmm. just when you're being paid to be there. Um, I think also, again, like I say, time and time again has proved just how much of a different person Bill Gates is in a, in a positive way. I think Bill Gates seems to have the ability to step back and see things from this perspective. He also does have the advantage of not currently being a tech CEO. Um, I think it is a lot easier to comment and say these things when you're not in the thick of it. I don't think that changes. I think Bill Gates would respond differently to these questions anyway, even if he was. But obviously, you can say a lot of this stuff um, you can think like this when you're not in the midst of being questioned. Bearing in mind, obviously Bill Gates went before Congress or, or went through this questioning several times. Microsoft are one of the early companies to be uh, moaned at in the tech world for being so ginormous. Mm. Um, like Mar- Microsoft have been there, done that, to what all these companies are going through at the moment. Bill Gates has been there, done that. Um, and I think at the time, I, Bill Gates, his the way he answered a lot of the questions kind of came across similar to how a lot of the current guys are answering the questions obviously this is going back like 10 15 years but that's what i'm saying it's it's easier to kind of say these things now than to do these things i think
0: exactly you you make a really good point there actually microsoft have been through all this because microsoft are and okay we talk about value and market capital and so on and obviously apple became the world's first two trillion dollar company on the stock market this week but Microsoft were, still are, one of the biggest tech companies in the world, one of the most ubiquitous and maybe some more so now in the fact that they have so many business-to-business relations. I'm not just talking about consumer offerings. We have to remember the market doesn't just specifically consist and exist because of consumers. There is a very big market where businesses use technology, and Microsoft, along with IBM, have a massive share in that. And so, okay, the information they process may be slightly different in terms of nature, but they still process a lot of information, and they still have a lot of and a lot of hold if they want it. So they still need to act responsibly, and that wasn't the case just when Bill Gates left. This was the case when Bill Gates was there, and so he knows the responsibilities. He knows the the rules and regulations that they they follow or have to, and the ethics they have to as well. Okay, yes, he's out of it to, to the most extent. But I, I'm sorry, he's out of it to the most extent, and and obviously, as you said, Aaron, when you look at it from a different perspective, when you're out of something, you're not in it, and you're not as protective. Then that that could mean that you spark a different response. But I still think. I still think if Bill Gates were in, in Microsoft, um, to CEO or to um, a director level today, he he would would say the same thing. I think yeah. his approach would be very different.
1: I think today he would. Obviously, we we saw how the answers went when Microsoft went through this first time. Um, but yeah, I think uh, that's what I'm saying. I I think that's why I think that Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, they were are just a different category of people. Mm.
0: Scary, nonetheless, isn't it that s- such powerful companies are being run by such t- na- can I say narrow-minded? Because I I kind of feel as if that's what it is the 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 entitled mindset. I genuinely believe when I watched the questioning from from Congress and from. From the judiciary committee, that they just felt they didn't have to be there. They felt they were beyond that. That it was almost not a joke, but unnecessary. I think. I, is that? Am I? Am I over? Am I overthinking that the whole thing? Or is that? Is there something there, Aaron? To you?
1: Meh. I think probably overthinking how like that judiciary hearing is such a tiny part of what's going on. It like, is. Yeah. That's it is, why but it, I think I think it's it,
0: a, a micro scale or a, a, a small example on a bigger scale of what's happening. Like that that's
1: why they threw a question at them gave them two seconds to answer it and the next question um, mm-hmm. but I think as well like they were getting some tough questions obviously and I obviously don't know how well prepared they are what kind of questions they're going to get beforehand but these people if they say the wrong thing like the whole point in that thing is to catch people out like those CEOs they're going to give bland boring answers you know they've had media training like just forever legal mm-hmm. training media training whatever they're not going to say anything juicy they're not going to say anything controversial they're just they're there on a formality almost at that point like the investigation had been going on for such a long time before behind closed doors um i think you know the questions i got were perfectly reasonable i think um some of the answers were okay i think probably hearing from more um so i think uh Adela of google and obviously zuck of facebook their answers felt a little bit like I don't know, they, they were, they'd make great politicians. They responded to a different question as to what they were asked. Um, they managed to turn it around every time. Uh, Bezos and Cook, I think, seemed to do alright. Um, I uh, Yeah, I, I wouldn't read too much into how they responded to that. I don't think it, it changes kind of anything at this point.
0: I don't know. Well, I, I do, because I, I get what you're saying. In in the responses, you couldn't expect anything different because they didn't want to put their foot in it, but at the same time, and, and no one was saying what way they had to answer the question so you would only expect the standard pr response but at the same time i think it just states and owns to the fact that this is how they approach all of the situations on a bigger scale so the, as you say it was a tiny example of a, a bigger problem but i think that's the same way they approach it they just they what they say is what they believe but it's not always the case sometimes it is sometimes it's not alas uh, So, so somewhat similarly, a bit of another argument this week with Apple. Surprise, surprise. That WordPress, the founder claims that they cut off updates to his completely free app because it wants 30%. Aaron?
1: So this is something that I think in this kind of cropped up in the past few days. Apple have, I believe, since apologized for it, Um, which obviously doesn't make it any better. WordPress. Everyone knows who WordPress is. They're not some small-time CMS maker or small-time startup that no one's ever heard of. WordPress are massive. um, And WordPress obviously have two systems. WordPress have WordPress.org and WordPress.com. Gets a little bit confusing for uh, people who don't know the difference, but WordPress.org is probably more the WordPress you think of. It's the open source or relatively open source um, CMS that anyone can download, install anywhere. It powers like 30 to 40% of the web. Like it's insane. WordPress.com is a very similar thing, but it's all hosted within WordPress's servers. So it's a bit more like what Tumblr used to be as opposed to what WordPress.org org is. You pay for it. There are free accounts, but essentially you pay for it. Um you, you pay a subscription and you get a domain and a CMS and, and you're away. They handle the rest of it for you. And that's kind of where the tricky bit has come from. So the WordPress app on iOS will work with both .org and .com. You can connect if you have your own .org website or your own WordPress website that you host, you can connect it to that. If you have a WordPress.com blog that you is either free or you pay for um you can connect it to that As well. WordPress don't have any in-app purchases. I don't believe they allow people to buy subscriptions for WordPress.com within the app, which is that's where the confusion began, I think, from Apple's point of view. Uh, WordPress founding developer Matt Mullenweg is accusing Apple of cutting off the ability to update the app until or unless he adds in-app purchases to the most valuable company in the world can extract its 30% cut of the money. Uh, Matt Mullenweg tweeted uh, just this week, heads up on why WordPress for iOS updates have been absent. We were locked out by the App Store. To be able to ship updates and bug fixes again, we had to commit to support in-app purchases for Dot." Com plans. I know why this is problematic, open to suggestions. He was uh, calling out on Twitter for people to basically help. Um, here's the thing, though. The WordPress app on iOS doesn't actually sell anything. A lot of people checked. The app simply lets you make websites for free. Uh, there isn't even an option to buy a unique.com or even a dot .blog domain name from the iPhone and iPad app. It simply assigns you a free WordPress domain and three gigabytes of space. Um, To be clear, the app doesn't sell anything and why would it? It's an open source project. Apple is requiring the addition of functionality that has no plausible reason to exist. Uh, Apple have since admitted that it is involved, reminding us that in-app purchases are required whenever apps allow users to access content, subscriptions or features they have acquired in your app on other platforms or your website but again the WordPress app doesn't sell anything itself and it sounds like you can't do anything special with anything you've purchased from wordpress.com from the app either. This is the whole story that kind of blown up. Obviously, this has got more traction based on the saga that Apple are going through for a very similar issue with Epic, um, which we obviously spoke about early. I'm pretty sure that since this has all come out, Apple have uh, released um, WordPress's developer uh, their developer account Apple have decided to kind of drop this um, because it's such a stupid thing it's like WordPress how can you take 30% of zero pretty difficult Um, obviously there are I think when you like go through it super legally I imagine if you read it word for word there is technically a, a violation of the rules but WordPress kind of really managed to, to skirt that almost through the fact that that app is simply just a viewer for everything free or paid it doesn't do anything special based on any tier you can't buy anything within the app everything is just it's a viewer and an editor for free and for paid it does everything the same nothing is locked or unlocked based on what subscription you have or what service you connect it to um, in
0: other words, in, in other words, Apple, the, the richest company in the world, just successfully forced an app developer to monetize an app so it could make more money.
1: Well, that's the tricky thing though, isn't it? Because I believe if this was, if WordPress actually sold in-app purchases or WordPress actually, like, linked off to subscriptions or sold subscriptions to WordPress.com within the app, this would be a non-story. This would be a, the clear violation of the terms and conditions and we'd be moving on. But WordPress don't do that. WordPress don't do any of that. WordPress can't, or don't want to, I get the impression, you know, they have no interest in selling subscriptions within the app. It's just not what the app does for them. Um, so, this is Apple. This is just a bizarre story from Apple. Um, I imagine, like, in Apple's internal review, it's been flagged up for something, and just, like, probably, it, I just get the impression, like, no one has used the common sense check. No one has actually checked whether it does actually break these rules, whether it's actually completely possible for uh, for WordPress to do anything about this. Um, just a little bit of a, a faux pas on Apple's behalf that won't help them at the moment,
0: but they're going to. Mullenweg said that he's not going to fight it anymore. He will add brand new in-app purchases for WordPress.com's pay tiers to include domain names within 30 days.
1: Yeah, but look at the last update. Um, this story came out today, actually. Um, so this kind of story blew up towards the end of this week. It's now said that Apple have apologized to WordPress and won't force the free app to add purchases after all, saying we apologize for any confusion that we have caused. Apple's full statement reads. Mm-hmm. We believe the issue with the WordPress app has been resolved since the developer removed the display of their service payment options from the app. It is now a free standalone app and does not have to offer in-app purchases have informed the developer and apologize for any confusion that we have caused. Apple have this very strong thing on, um, I think there are a few categories that are okay with doing this. I think if you're like a business to business app, um, obviously in-app purchases aren't the way you you sell things, so it'd be entirely impossible. Um, Apple have a kind of a different set of rules for that, but this is obviously a business to consumer app. Um, even if you can't buy a subscription through the app, this is something that Spotify used to fall foul of. If you you even link off to where user can buy a subscription if you have like the mere suggestion of oh, go to wordpress.com to purchase your plan and come back. Um, Apple will not like you for that as well. That's Question All right, all right, Dwight if- True. <laughs> <laughs> Question
0: Be- Beats or battle? No, okay,
1: bears. Do you th- beats do- Battlestar Galactica? Sorry,
0: do you think if this hadn't have blown up as it did in the media? Apple would have reverted
1: because I don't um, a I lot don't. of people have said that about so many of these things um, the same uh, story was true for Hey the email client obviously until uh, DHH uh, kicked off on Twitter is pretty big following it's like how much of this uh, kind of public spat um, has only occurred because you, you know so much publicity so many news sites have picked it up I think you're right had, had no one said anything about this bearing in mind this whole story was picked up off the back that Matt Mullenweg was basically asking for help I don't think he was trying to cause a huge stir. Um, he was basically asking for, for suggestions on on people who have been through this before, and it then got picked up as a story. Um, mm-hmm. I I would be really keen to hear from some independent developers who have been through a similar thing, but haven't been able to get the media attention. Do Apple resolve it the same way? Um, obviously, privately. Um, it, does it take longer? Is it quicker? Like How does it work? Um, I'd be really interested to hear from people who have been through this without The Verge and what not picking it up
0: yeah and how, how it would have transitioned 100 percent. i agree we'll never know but i have my suspicions we'll leave it there can an algorithm dictate how intelligent or how able you are to complete an exam aaron that's a question what's your initial response yes or no
1: a really interesting time at the moment isn't it with algorithms mm. I, uh, I I enjoyed reading this article because obviously I think as you said at the beginning of the show this country's currently you know algorithm the word algorithm is at the forefront of all our minds <laughs> because of uh, test results obviously with students being unable to uh, sit their GCSEs and A-levels and whatnot, what do you do Um every, life has to move on the years have to move on you can't just go oh we'll pretend this year never happened and do it again next year yeah. so there had to be an alternative. Obviously this virus has also been going on for so long that so much of the build-up didn't happen. I know a lot of people didn't, you know, they didn't have mock exams and whatnot, because you know, it was months and months not having this stuff. Um so the government's I think we're a little bit between a rock and a hard place. Um between how they they award the results. Do they go off um teacher's predicted grades i don't know how it works in other parts of the world but for for many schools over here or for for many systems over here sorry um you go through the majority of each year and you have a predicted grade that the teacher thinks you will achieve in that subject
0: which can sometimes come from a mixture of previous test results teachers inception and thought on the student and also a an aptitude test which some schools employ at the start of the year to to predict those grades and it it's to do with you know cognitive ability and and information processing math english ability so on and so forth and it probably well i would say it does use an algorithm to match up your ability in those test situations and then it it compares to back data of okay student a got similar in this and similar in that and they did that subject and they got a b so you will get a B in that, and, and that to some extent. But the problem is it's not its not exclusive. It's not 100% right. It's a guess. It's an algorithm. At the very best, it's not factually 100% right. So just sorry, Aaron, just had to put that in.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we did something similar. Well, I did something yeah. similar. I know when I entered secondary school, I had CATS, was it? I forget what it was called, Um, which is obviously, you know, this is six months after sitting your end of junior school, or primary school exams, Um, <laughs> which when you're what? eight, nine years old, you think is the world's biggest like that decides your future. Yeah, it Mm. doesn't. Um, but I can tell you a fact that I think literally every single predicted grade that I had throughout the entirety of my, my secondary education was so far off the mark, like I didn't even get close to achieving that type of thing. So I don't know what that says about algorithms or maybe I just like unlearned stuff throughout my entire secondary. School education. I don't know. Maybe I didn't try hard enough. But um, like it if I got awarded my predicted grades, I would be oh so thankful because I would have got so much better than I did at the end of secondary school. Well, I think I, I, that,
0: that's part of the argument. I, but individual cases aside, it it just doesn't work. I and I get you said it. You said there yourself. The government between a rock and a hard place. And do they tr- do they go with teacher predicted grades? Which I I think we could all agree teachers are humans and they have favorites
1: yeah bias comes in
0: exactly and so and also there is always the case that there will be people who 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 go through certain parts and 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 don't there's so many different types of personalities it, it's so you cannot and this is the point you you cannot encapsulate this any of this into an algorithm and just spew out the results and you certainly can't do it in a matter of weeks or months when you're under a global pandemic but the point being, There'll be some students who just realise that, and I'm not endorsing, or not not endorsing, I'm just stating what, what, what is fact, or what we could could or would be the case. There are students who will go through it and say, well, I'm actually just going to, to cruise along until the real thing, and when the real thing comes, I'm going to give it my all. I am really going to apply myself, and they could do extremely well in the real thing, but their previous grades have just been mediocre. That's perfectly viable. There may also be the people who do really well, through the whole of the year and just don't like exams. They crumble and they don't do so well in exam situation. There are people anywhere in between that and there are people on the other side of it. So it, it, it's virtually impossible to apply any algorithm or even apply your own idea of someone and say, this is what they will get, they will or will not get. But the government had to, had to do something. And so they they decided at the start with A-levels, which would, would be the first set of results to come out, which subsequently are the, for, for anyone who, who's not aware, A-levels would be after GCSEs in terms of sit, sitting. They are uh, two years after you get your GCSE results, you, you do your final uh, A2. And so they come out first and then the GCSE results typically come out a week later. And so the A-level results came out based on algorithms and the general trend was, people just did not that the results were just so wrong for so many people and they they feel that they uh, rightly i'm sure felt they were cheated out of places in university or on courses elsewhere or for employment offers they had which were based off jobs whatever they chose to do post education whether that was even further education or not and and so the results were so heavily criticized and argued that when it came to GCSE results, I think they realized we, we can't screw up so monumentally again. And so they just completely reverted to teacher's predicted grades. And then they made the decision they were going to do that with A-level as well. So essentially that the algorithm got thrown out of the window. And I kind of agree with that. And I'd be interested to hear your side of it, Aaron, but I, I do recognize there is a, there is bias and I, I completely challenge anyone to put a, a good argument across that, that that's not the case because we are all human and that's how life works. But at the same time, this is n- at no fault of the students, and I don't think anyone who was sitting exams at this time should have been penalised or or punished unfairly for something that wasn't their fault, and giving someone a grade that, that is complete guesswork is, is kind of doing that. At the same time, the teachers... Th- to some extent, it is guesswork, but, but there is that human element, understanding the person, understanding how they've performed their personality. Do, do they have a good work ethic? So there's so many different variables and, and things behind it. I so that's it, the backstory. The backstory is quite long. Then it goes I, on the algorithm. Aaron?
1: I was thinking the other day as well. It's like, what bias implications does this have in the future? Like, we all know that the pandemic happened in 2020. If we saw that, if we see on people's uh, resumes or CVs that their education ends in 2020 and you look at their grades, it's like, do you have that slight tinge of, is that actually, you know, are those grades accurate? Is that is that what they got? Or is that just, you know, made up? I, or... I
0: would like to think that's not the case. And that again, it's it's not, if, if that were you or I, we, we don't choose when, when we're going to be bored and we don't choose subsequently when we sit these exams, you just have to accept this was the, the, the best solution in a worst situation. Um wasn't 100% foolproof and it will never be as accurate as just sitting the exams and having them marked. But even at that, having an exam marked, as I'm sure any student will know, that sometimes uh, you get a result, you weren't expecting it, you have it remarked and your grade goes up. It's... It, that, that's the thing. It's always open to interpretation. It just depends how how much interpretation. But I, the question here, we'll, we'll forget about the teacher. So we've we've described the backstory. That is essentially the story in a nutshell. Of course, there's more to it than that, but but it is the the the, the summary. So the next question would be: um, Was it right in the first place to try and employ an algorithm to do this? Was a computer capable of of, of such a mammoth task? And if not, does that spell that computers might just not have... It? I mean, rubbish in, rubbish out, right, is essentially how a computer works anyway. It's only as smart as the person who programs it. And there is the argument put forward that's coming through the woodworker that the algorithm that was chosen, the people who were using the algorithm and putting it into the computer didn't actually even know what it meant. And if that is the case, then there is... No hope for anyone, really. But is, is this a good stated case of a computer messing up when a human wouldn't, iron? Is it a case of over-reliance on well, technology? I, think I mean, we're using algorithms at the minute to model this whole virus and try and, and show how it's going to infect or not, or spread or not spread, or where we're at, how we're doing, and so on and so forth. Are we over-analyzing everything in some respects due to what the the, 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 the information we can process and sometimes losing sight of the actual picture and problem in hand. Is that a thing?
1: I think, I mean, algorithms obviously created by humans. Um, I think a computer will give you a very, you know, binary answer. A a computer will go, the answer to this is this. It takes out all kind of biases, all kind of opinions, um, anything that may sway you one way or the other. um, Like it It looks at statistics and it comes up with a concrete result. Same goes for, you know, reading this article. Uh, You look at things like how insurance prices are calculated, policing models, or stuff like that. Like, this is stuff that takes in statistics and spits out exactly what the statistics tell you. A computer... It doesn't have an interest in where you're from. It doesn't know that, like a computer doesn't know that this area is nicer than this area. No, it, well, it looks at insurance statistics and goes, literally more people have their car stolen here. And well, that's- exactly.
0: Yeah. To, 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 uh, sorry Sorry to interrupt. Just one, one thing. Supposedly one aspect of the algorithm which was used to predict exam grades and results was the postcode in which someone lived. Which is just completely ludicrous. I mean, as someone who, who's, who's, who's who's done geography to a higher level and so on, okay, right, geographical information systems, which which deploy the use of technology, very powerful systems in, in all shapes and forms and walks of life and are, are responsible for modern day planning in so many areas. But here's the problem. That's just an average. That is just, it, it's a best guess. But we're dealing with individuals here. We're dealing with exam results. We're not dealing with crime rates. We're not dealing with statistics, which will be inaccurate to some extent. They'll have an accuracy of, of a certain proportion, but but they will not be 100%. We're dealing with a person. And so just because the person next door, person B next door to person A, or two miles down the road from person A, just because they got X, Y, Z, does not mean that the next... We're all so individual. We're not in any way shaped by... An, it's just... It's it's so complex, It's you can't even begin to explain in this form and uh, in the time frame we're trying to do it. So the, the point being, how is that even remotely relevant to some extent? Okay, as I say, what you sometimes find is in certain areas... Um, if educa- ed- education will be better in certain areas than others for, for a plethora of, of reasons. And so you, you could then say, well, if education's better, then results must be better. But that's not always the case because sometimes you get a really, 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 really intelligent person who is in an area that doesn't, that, that, that surpasses the average in the area. And sometimes you get someone who who doesn't surpass the average in the area. Uh, It's all based on averages. But the point is, the average is just an average. It is just that. There are always the dynamics within it. There is a range within an average. And people are those ranges. So you can't just apply an average to everyone. Otherwise, it doesn't work. You can't just rely on the postcode or the area or this, that and the other in the case of stated individuals when they're getting results, which could determine the rest of their life, right? That's the bigger problem here, Aaron, isn't it?
1: I think uh, I'm with you on postcodes for grades make no sense at all. I think you're right. That's such an individual topic that I don't know why that was taken into any kind of consideration. Obviously, there have been traditionally areas of the country that do better than others, but it's like law of averages. Um, exactly. I think for models like policing, insurance, healthcare, like I think taking into account postcode is an obvious thing to do. If, if, well, if, yeah, it's it's, 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 it's if, the if best more, possible stated case. Yeah. If more cars are stolen in you know this in this one area. Of this other area than welcome to insurance premiums being higher like that's just that's how the world works um i think that makes sense i think algorithms for that type of thing make sense i i, I think the whole grades thing has just been like lastminute.com. Um, exactly, it's been dumbed down.
0: Yeah, statistics are so complex, so 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 complex. If you want them to be, and so what? What has happened is, as you say, in such a short space of time, they've said, "Well, let's just do what we think we can," and it hasn't worked, and, and that's backfired. But on a bigger picture, then uh, does that highlight an over reliance on technology, Aaron? Does that no. does that highlight if nope. we do nope. revert nope. to being? Nope. So so less personable in yep. certain... and Not not everything, but in certain areas that it all of a sudden becomes dangerous if we have nope. no other option but to rely on the technology? Nope. Elaborate. I
1: I think people sitting here blaming, oh, you know, we're too reliant on computers coming up with answers is like just a complete load of BS. Um, yeah, but
0: you... you, you missed it. So my, my question isn't relying on computers because the computers will only do what they're programmed to do. But my point is if we over rely, if we expect the computer to get it right every time, because it's garbage in, garbage out. And so point being, we have to, sorry, I should, should remodel my question. Should we sometimes apply more common sense? when we use a computer to generate information to try and see if the information is actually applicable I mean it, it took such an argument for students to try and make a point that this just isn't right for the government to then come and say oh maybe you have a point I mean it should be the other way round so it it took such a body of people to, to make them realize. So do should we uh, not over rely, but as we use this technology, we need to be more and more mindful as we rely more and more on it that sometimes we as humans will not get it right when we're using this technology. That might be the better argument.
1: I think I think common sense has always got to come into this stuff. You know, you do something in Excel, you you, you try and come up with something in Excel, and if it looks like obviously wrong, you go, that's not right. Um, again, garbage in garbage out um yeah i i think it's hard to it's, it's hard for, for someone to go yeah we're going to use common sense on you know predicting millions of students grades um like it's just impossible to work at that kind of scale
0: well it, it is yes but but the common sense would come into well okay does postcode really okay it well, does yeah, have, yes it does have an effect because there are correlative studies which would show that but in this case, we're dealing with something a bit more sensitive in an unprecedented situation. So maybe we should just be a little bit more sensitive and personable at the situation and realize we we might, just might, not be able to rely on the technology as much as we'd like and we may just need to require a bit more of anecdotal evidence, i.e., People to, to to bring the facts and figures, and I'm going back to the specific example here. Maybe maybe we should have trusted people a bit more than computers in this situation. Are no, well, we have now, but in in the beginning, initially, I mean, no, yeah, I agree. But it is the, the 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 end point here is it's so unprecedented. This is never, and hopefully never will happen again. And so we, I say never happen again, but we would be ignorant to say. But my my point being, hopefully, we'll be more prepared for something of of that nature. But it. it just shows how we, we, we respond under such pressure and, and, and situations that we're not used to. Um, and it highlights a lot of things. I think we've learned a lot from from this pandemic thus far. We've still a lot more to learn, a lot, lot more of a way to go, but either way, all's well ends well. Hopefully that the, the re- reversion of decisions in that case have meant that, that people aren't as affected as badly um, and it, it it turns into a, a better story it's been a been a different show this week it's been quite diverse quite good And for more episodes on over at munchtech.tv if you're listening on the go on your mobile device munchtech.tv forward slash mobile it's completely free snowing app purchases I can promise well at least I think Um, for the news at munchtech.tv forward slash newsletter the ultimate guide to podcasting munchtech.tv forward slash ultimate podcast guide we spoke about an interview with Bill Gates which was published recently we have an interview with Steve Wozniak the co-founder of Apple who, like Bill Gates, is a computing pioneer, engineering genius? That's on over at munchtech.tv forward slash was. As always, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Have a safe, pleasant, enjoyable week. I'm we'll seeing you next week, same time, same place. Until then, bye bye. Bye bye.